Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh everyone. Welcome back to Quran 30 for 30. Alhamdulillah, salatu wa salamu ala rasulullah wa ala alihi wa sahbihi man wa As we're getting into Juice 26, that means that we are getting into night 26 and then of course night 27. SubhanAllah, we're getting to the end. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to accept it and to bless us and keep us steadfast and sincere and to make us amongst those who have an accepted Ramadan and accepted Laylatul Qadr. Allahumma ameen. And subhanAllah, uh, tonight we have uh, a very dear beloved friend um, who I haven't seen for some time. So we were spending some time catching up. Uh, Sheikh Mawlid uh, Ali, alhamdulillah, uh, who is uh, from Minnesota, alhamdulillah. And uh, we have known each other for a very long time. Sheikh Mawlid, I remember we share the same teachers, alhamdulillah, and Dr. Hatim al-Hajj, hafidhullah ta'ala, and Sheikh Salah al-Sawi, hafidhullah. And I remember Sheikh Mawlid um, literally it's you know year after year. I don't know how long it's been, but it's been a very long span around uh, Sheikh Salah and around Sheikh Hatim. But Sheikh Maulid is the ageless wonder, mashallah. Has not aged one bit, tabarakallah, but has grown in knowledge and wisdom beyond our our years, alhamdulillah, and has been a great contributor. And is the Imam in Masjid Abu Bakr in Minnesota, and one of the people, inshallah ta'ala, that Bidnanai Ta'ala will be uh, working with Yaqeen, inshallah ta'ala. So we've had a few new additions that, inshallah, we plan to do some things with. But Sheikh Maulid, it is a great uh, pleasure to have you, alhamdulillah, Rabbil Ameen, with us. It's my honor. So I have to ask you, Sheikh, you're in Minnesota, and I don't want to get you hurt by saying which restaurant's the best restaurant. So I ask sometimes, I ask the guests, you know, like, because I know it could get personal there, and mashallah, you have so much, so many restaurants there, so many places there. So I'm going to ask you something else. What do you think is the most underrated thing about the Minnesota Muslim community? <laughs> so, I think it would be the Somali restaurants. They really have very beautiful food, but, you know, very awesome, delicious food. But people, when they come to Minnesota, they talk about other restaurants, but they don't mention about some of the restaurants that's owned by the local communities, like Kurhlo restaurant. So I would say it's, uh, it is the food. MashaAllah. <laughs> I would say definitely the Somali food, but also the community, right? MashaAllah, like it's the people there are incredible. I always tell people, SubhanAllah, that my favorite place to teach is Minnesota uh, and to be around the brothers and sisters that are there, Tabarakallah. But uh, Sheikh Maurid Dirbalik, don't start to mention which restaurants because then you're going to get angry messages and you, you forgot to mention this one and that one. So I want to spare you of that. Okay. Uh, got but, it. <laughs> but as Sheikh Maurid said, it's beautiful food and beautiful people. Alhamdulillah. I mean, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala preserve you and bless you, Sheikh. We're looking forward to your insights, inshallah ta'ala. We get started inshallah ta'ala now, as I said, with Juz 26. And this is the Juz that starts to bring back the adab with the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, the mannerisms with the Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And I know that um, our beloved Sheikh Abdullah is going to be talking about some verses from Surah Al-Dhariyat. And our beloved Sheikh Mawlid will be talking inshallah ta'ala about uh, some of the verses of al-hujurat. So I want to just sort of lay out as much as I can the sirah background of the sequence of the surahs because they're deeply tied together. And actually, if you just look at the names of the surahs, Surah Al-Ahqaf is the heights, and that refers to the last warning 
that is being given by Hud to his people. And then after that comes Surah Muhammad, which is also known as Surah Al-Qital, uh, the fighting that takes place afterwards, right? Because of the uh, warnings that were not heeded and the Prophet ﷺ being driven out of his home and the believers being driven out of their homes from Mecca and then eventually the battles that take place. And what comes after the battles is Al-Fatih, which is the conquest, but maybe not the conquest that you have in mind when you think about the Fatih. And then after that comes Al-Hujurat, which is the settling of the Prophet ﷺ in Medina and the construction of a Madani society and the essentials for the construction of any society that seeks to abide by the way of the Prophet ﷺ. So even the sequence is very powerful. But I'll just highlight just a few of these verses, inshallah ta'ala. First of all, from Surah Al-Ahqaf, uh, which is that final warning that is being given. Uh, in verse number 9, that the Prophet says, say I am not the first of the messengers. I'm not some unique um, you know, manifestation of prophets and messengers. And that's something that's really important is that the objection that they had to the Prophet ﷺ was that he's not an angel, um, you know, physically, he's not an angel, ﷺ. he's not a supernatural being. Why is he a prophet that walks in the, you know, in, in the marketplace that relieves himself, that talks like a human being, that is a human being? And the Prophet ﷺ is saying, I'm not the first messenger, nor am I the first messenger like this. And subhanAllah, this is actually an, an answer to the objection that uh, you know the people of the book might have to the Prophet as well as the pagans, that if you compare the Prophet to the prophets and the messengers of old, uh, as far as his nature, والسلام, he is a prophet like Musa, والسلام, right? more than anyone else. And that is the uh, prophecy of the Prophet um, one of the clear prophecies of him in the Bible, a prophet like Moses. So... He is like the messengers that came before. And I don't know what will happen to me and what will happen to you. Uh, the Mufassirun mentioned a double meaning here. One of them is an objection being answered on the part of the pagans, which is when is the day of judgment going to happen? Is God going to give you victory? If you truly are a prophet, what's going to end up happening when we actually do fight? Like, let's say that we reject you. Is the promise of Allah going to come upon us or is it all going to turn out to be uh, fantasy? So it was an answer to that objection. Um, but also uh, some of the Sahaba mentioned that the Prophet ﷺ saw in a dream a land that had palm trees and water. And the Prophet ﷺ, when he related this dream to the companions, they thought that, you know, that there was going to be some uh, harm that was going to be alleviated soon. They thought that this was you know, uh, something to be optimistic about, that a hijrah was on the horizon, some sort of migration was on the horizon. And as the persecution intensified, they asked the Prophet ﷺ about that dream. Now, obviously, we know that the Prophet ﷺ initially interpreted the dream to be ta'if, but it wasn't ta'if, it was actually al-Madina. So, uh, because they both have very similar terrains. So in any case, um, that is something that also answers some of the Sahaba that are wondering what's going to happen with us and what is next. Then the Prophet ﷺ is told, قُلْ أَرَأَيْتُمْ إِنْ كَانَ مِنْ عِنْدِ اللَّهِ وَكَفَرْتُمْ بِهِ وَشَّهِدَ شَاهِدٌ مِنْ بَنِي إِسْرَائِيلَ عَلَى مِثْلِهِ فَآمَنَ وَاسْتَكْبَرْتُمْ إِنَّ اللَّهَ لَا يَهْدِي الْقَوْمَ الظَّالِمِينَ Tell them, O Prophet, did you consider what would be 
you know, uh, or tell them, did you consider what will be your situation? When you disbelieve, but a witness from the children of Israel bears witness upon the Prophet and he believes and you show pride. Verily, Allah does not guide a transgressing people. The ulama, most of them say this refers to Abdullah ibn Salam anhu, the chief rabbi of Medina. His name was actually Al-Husayn with a sad. Al-Husayn ibn Salam. And when he saw the Prophet and he heard the Prophet he immediately validated the Prophet and said he is the Prophet of Allah and dedicated himself to the deen and became a great scholar uh, and companion of the religion. So uh, he's not just any rabbi. He's not just anyone from Bani Israel. This is the chief rabbi of Medina who recognized the Prophet instantly. Whereas these people who had the Prophet amongst them for decades, they knew him for up to 50 years and they still rejected him despite bearing witness to his character. And there's a great um, you know, uh, analogy to be, to be drawn here in the sense that Abdullah ibn Salam anhu, did not know As-Sadiq al-Amin, the Prophet وسلم, through living with him and through his character. But he knew what the character would be of the messenger to come. And so these people in Mecca, they knew the character of the Prophet وسلم, they lived with him and they testified to his character previously. But then when the message came, they rejected the message. Abdullah ibn Salam, out of the pureness of his heart, <clears throat> he already knew what the message was. And he just needed to confirm the character of the messenger and the signs of the messenger with the message. So when he saw the Prophet ﷺ, he saw his smile, alayhi salatu wasalam. He said, that's not the face of a liar. The first words of the Prophet ﷺ in Medina, afshu salam, spread peace amongst yourselves, atu'imu ta'am, feed the poor amongst you, uh, to uphold the ties of kinship, to pray at night while other people sleep. He said, this is the message of the Prophet, right? This was the first message he heard from him. So he immediately, in an instant, accepted the Prophet ﷺ on the basis of the, the immediate ramifications of his character, sallallahu alayhi wasallam. So that is al-ahqaf, right? The last warning. And uh, also just a mention of al-ahqaf as well, that verse 15, uh, many of the scholars say refers to Abu Bakr radiallahu ta'ala anhu, حتى إذا بلغ أشده وبلغ أربعين سنة قال ربي أوزعني أن أشكر نعمتك التي أنعمت علي وعلى والدي وأن أعمل صالحا ترضاه وأصلح لي في ذريتي إني تبت إليك وإني من المسلمين This is a man who reaches 33 years old and then reaches 40 and when he sees that his entire family embraces Islam he thanks Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for that and asks Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that that continue to be the case with his offspring as well and the scholars mentioned that no person other than Abu Bakr anhu had everyone in his family eventually embrace Islam. SubhanAllah, his parents, his spouses, children, siblings, or not siblings rather, but uh, the generational part of this, right? Everyone in his family embraced Islam, SubhanAllah. And so Abu Bakr anhu showing that gratitude to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for that and reaffirming his submission. So back to the Prophet um, and what happened with him, this was the last warning, and Allah comparing the person in uh, Medina, the rabbi in Medina, to the people in Mecca who knew the Prophet ﷺ. And then you get to Surah Muhammad, and how does it end? Allah is talking about when the Prophet calls on people to spend. 
And he says, some of you hold back, you're stingy. And whoever does that is being stingy with himself. You're not harming Allah, but you're harming himself. Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is sufficient and you are in need of him. And Allah says, if you turn away, he will replace you with a better people and they will not be like you. And the ulama mentioned the greatest istibdad, the greatest switching that ever took place was the people of Mecca for the people of Medina, right? That Allah switched out. They could have given the Prophet some the honor he deserved and they could have uh, hosted him the way the Ansar, who were strangers to him, وسلم, took him in and hosted him. But Allah uh, instead honored the Ansar due to their honoring of the Prophet Then we get to uh, Surah Al-Fatih, uh, where once they're in Medina, the Muhajirin, the Ansar, and now they're making their way back to Mecca. And they were sad and, and depressed, as Anas anhu says, at the Treaty of Hudaybiyah, because they were being prevented from doing Umrah and going to the house of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And Allah revealed the verse, Inna fatahna laka fathan mubina, that verily we have revealed to you, uh, or verily we have opened for you a great opening. And the Prophet said that this verse is more beloved to me than the world and all that is in it, subhanAllah, because this verse was the promise of the return. And once the treaty was signed in the sixth year after Hijrah of Hudaybiyah, that gave Islam a chance to spread through its da'wah. Right, because it wasn't suffering from the persecution, and immediately thousands and thousands and thousands of people converted to Islam. And so that was the great fatah of the hearts of the people, the conquest of the hearts of the people. But then, of course, the conquest of Mecca, once the Meccans violated the treaty and the Prophet ﷺ went into Mecca and opened Mecca without violating the ethics of Islam. So that was that came as a result of that. Inna and of course, there were some who did not like the Prophet ﷺ accepting some of the terms of Hudaybiyah. They couldn't see the vision of the Prophet ﷺ, except for who? Abu Bakr anhu, right? So even Umar anhu was upset at the compromises being made in Hudaybiyah. Ali anhu was upset at the compromises being made in the treaty. But Abu Bakr anhu saw things the way the Prophet ﷺ saw things. And indeed, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala brought about incredible openings as a result of an era of peace, a short era of peace that led to many people embracing the way of the Prophet Surah Al-Hujurat, then how do we tie into that? La tarfa'u aswatakum, do not raise your voices عند Rasulullah when you are with the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Do not prefer your opinion to the opinion of the Prophet do not disobey the Prophet SubhanAllah, this has a specific meaning and then a broader uh, you know, warning for us and a lesson for us. Uh, it refers to Thabit ibn Qais عنه, who calls out to the Prophet and he was the chief of a tribe, calls out to the Prophet late at night from uh, outside of his home. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala giving a lesson to the, to the Muslims to have adab with the Messenger وسلم, to have manners with the Prophet and you can imagine when this came down, Thabit radiallahu ta'ala anhu saw this as a condemnation, right? I, Allah revealed Quran about me, condemning me. So he hid from the Prophet um, or, you know, withdrew himself, not went into hiding, but withdrew himself. And some of the Sahaba said to the Prophet when he asked about Thabit, where, is, where has he been? They said, Ya Rasulullah, he has withdrawn himself. He's gone into a depression. He said, surely uh, I am from the people of hellfire. And the Prophet ﷺ said, uh, rather go to him 
and tell him, that you are not from the people of Hellfire, but rather you are from the people of Jannah. So you are from the people of Paradise. There was redemption, even though there was a, an admonishment, certainly to the society as a whole. Some of the scholars also mention Abu Bakr and Umar radiallahu anhumah. Yes, the greatest two companions getting into an argument in the presence of the Prophet and their voices were raised. And after this verse was revealed, Umar who had a booming voice, was so shy that he would speak so low in, you know, silently in the presence of the Prophet that you'd have to ask him to repeat his words multiple times despite the depth of his voice. Finally, I'll just mention, Know that the Messenger of Allah is amongst you and if he followed you in many of your affairs, then that would have been to your destruction. That would have been bad for you. And this is referring to a specific incident in the seerah where the Prophet took the time to carefully verify the news of a people so that war was not waged against them. But it also applies to Hudaybiyah. It also applies to the people of Mecca. It applies to the Hijrah. It applies to the Battle of Uhud. It applies to all of these different contexts that we have covered that following the Prophet is your success. To disobey him is your failure. And I have to mention, subhanAllah, the verse about diversity. Uh, that we recite always. O people, we have made you from male and female and nations and tribes so that you may get to know one another. And verily, the most noble of you, the most noble of you in the sight of Allah is the most pious. And this verse was revealed, according to many of the scholars, after Bilal who stood in Fatih Mecca and gave the adhan on the Kaaba. And some of the people did not like Bilal al-Habashi, the Abyssinia, standing on the Kaaba and giving the adhan and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala affirming the nobility of Bilal radiallahu ta'ala anhu and affirming that piety is the only marker for nobility, not the false standards that we have put in this society, which the Prophet came to abolish. So inshallah ta'ala, with that, I will uh, pause. I will invite our beloved Sheikh Malid if he'd like to share anything, inshallah, then we'll move on to our beloved Sheikh Abdullah. I really liked how you connected the whole Jews uh, together, mashallah, from Surah Al Haqaf to Surah Al Hujurat. And this actually reminds me of one of the great scholars, Al Buqa'i. He has a book called Nazm al Durar fi Tanasub al Ayati wa Sur, in which he speaks about the sequence of the Quran. That Surah Al Haqaf is not isolated from the previous Surah and the upcoming surah and alhamdulillah surah al-hakam is the last surah of ali hamim as in Mas'ud radiallahu anhu said ila waqa'atu fi ali hamim waqa'atu fi rawdatin damithatin at'annaku fi husnihin wa jamalihin so he said that when I approach the the ali hamim the family of hamim the surah that begins with hamim I imagine myself being in a beautiful garden and I pick all the you know the beautiful uh, flowers it's a metaphor of you know the beautiful topics that we find in, in Surah Al-Ahqaf Al-Hamim. Another thing I, that really captured my my attention as you reflected on Surah Al-Muhammad and Surah Al-Fatih is how the Mecca stage is leading to the Madani stage and how the, the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam is the center in Surah Al-Muhammad and Surah Al-Fatih and also in Surah Al-Hujurat, which basically is that obeying the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, following his footsteps, Following his leadership is what actually gives us as the ummah the, 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 the strength and the iman 
that, that we desire to have. So we see, for example, when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says uh, uh, in, in the Treaty of Hudaybiyah, we see that, and you alluded to this actually, the companions were not happy with the agreement. Uh, but Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala praises them by saying, وَأَلْزَمَهُمْ كَلِمَةَ التَّقْوَىٰ And this is the tarbiyah of the Prophet sallallahu you know, the, the Quraysh, they came up with a lot of demands and they wanted to tell the Prophet, we don't recognize you as the messenger of Allah. The Prophet said, erase that. And then they say, okay, we, they bring another condition and then the Prophet ﷺ accepted that. But the companions like Umar and many other companions, they didn't want to become acquiescent to the demands of, of, of the disbelievers. But the Prophet ﷺ was telling them to be patient. And Allah is praising the followers of the Prophet ﷺ, their characters and their akhlaq at that moment, they were not showing their, their ego and their pride, but they were following the taqwa of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah says, As for the disbelievers, they were showing their pride, their tribalism, their ego, their arrogance, but the believers, they were very humble. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala made them stick to the word of taqwa. And Allah says, وَأَهَلَهَا And they deserving to be the people of taqwa. So that is... Uh, one reflection that I wanted to share with everyone, inshallah ta'ala, with my beloved teachers and mashayikh, barakallahu alayhi Jameel, beautiful. Jazakallah khair, Shaykh Mawid. Tafadol, Shaykh Abdullah. Alhamdulillah, Rabbil Alameen, wa sallallahu wa sallam, wa barak ala nabiyya Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'ina ma ba'di. All of these illustrious individuals that are mentioned from the Sahaba, radhuanallahi alayhim, we love them, and we love them because of their struggle. We love of what they did for us and how they were people that exemplified the sunnah of the Prophet and they were the best of it. And seeing the legacy that the Prophet left. What I want to touch on is verse number 50 in the chapter of Dhariyat, where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is addressing the Prophet by giving him some techniques or telling him certain things to say to uh, the people in regards to his lordship and his authority. As we've talked about before, the Lordship of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Allah the Exalted, is the one that has control over all things and all affairs. And with that control, he has predestination. He knows what was, what is, and what will be. With that knowledge that we have, it demands from us something. Ultimately, it demands from us to devote our utmost worship or our worship to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, where worship is not devoted or directed to anyone or anything else. And that is... When one understands that and implements that to the best of their ability, that spiritual connection and love and honor and respect and fear at the same time simultaneously gets stronger. And that kind of relationship can only be with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, when speaking about uh, the, the, the creation of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he says in the chapter of Adhariyat, when he speaks about the creation, and what he does, he gives the Prophet ﷺ something to say to the people, to all of us in actuality, but in particular to the people that were not embracing the faith of Islam. He says, He says, And the sky, the heavens that we created with our strength, that we've created and built with our strength, and verily we expanded it. We can expand it. And the ard. You see, he talks about the skies and the heavens. And then he talks about the earth, the earth, that the ni'mah, and it's a blessed place and a blessed resting, a blessed place to 
rest. And from everything we have created in pairs, perhaps you will be mindful of these things. So Allah is just giving you a snippet of some of his creation. But subhanAllah, he talks about the sky and then the earth and then the objects on the earth. And everything has created Zojain, it has a partner. Perhaps you will be of those that reflect. When you reflect, what you should what should you do after that? Fafirru ilallah. Fafirru ilallah. Ibn Qayyim al-Jawziya, he talks about this in his book, Al-Risala Tabukiya, a book that he wrote to some of his, his contemporaries that lived in Tabuk. And it was a letter that he wrote. And subhanAllah, you know, for me personally, this book, when I embraced Islam, it changed my life. It really, this was what, uh, you know, gave me the understanding of the methodology of what is Quran and Sunnah and what that should mean to me. It strengthened my relationship with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And I hope it'll do the same for you all. It's called The Letter to the People of Tabuk, Risala Tabukiya. He talks about the hijrah to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the hijrah to the messenger. What I want to capitalize on within these next couple of minutes is the hijrah to Allah. And one portion of this hijrah to Allah, firstly, he speaks about how many times when we hear the word hijrah, we're thinking of the Prophet sallallahu with Abu Bakr from Mecca to Al-Medina, the physical hijrah. But he talks about the hijrah that is obligatory upon every single one of us because the hijrah that they made may not be obligatory upon me right now in America or in different places in the world. It may not be obligatory, but the hijrah that is the hijrah of the qalb, that's what's obligatory upon every single Muslim. And when they fulfill that obligation, the relationship strengthens and that and that, yani, aqt, that connection with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, it's a beautiful one. And as the scholars say, one, one statement that was mentioned, man khafa shay'an haraba minhu wa min khafa allaha haraba ilayhi. Whoever fears something runs away from it, flees from it. But whoever fears Allah runs towards him. So when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Allah and rush towards Allah, or you know, go unto him. When seeing this, Ibn Qayyim talking about the hijrah says that there is fleeing from and fleeing to. As the Prophet would say in one of his du'as, Allahumma inni a'udhu bi ridaka min sakhatik wa bi mu'afatika min uqubatik wa bika minka. Oh Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, I seek refuge in your pleasure from your displeasure and from your wrath and I seek your protection from your punishment and I seek refuge in you from you. How is this? When we're talking about from Allah, it means that what we talked about earlier, that Allah is al-khaliq, al-raziq, al-mudabbir. He is the creator, the sustainer and the controller of all affairs. When we understand that lordship attributes, it demands from us to respond to that in a way that is befitting to us as creation and to Allah as the Lord. So when we rush towards him from his characteristics and that he is the creator, whatever happened to you at your job, whatever happened to you from your sickness being sick or whatever happened to you or other than you in that which they did not anticipate or want, we should know that Allah has predestined that the why is not as important for us to know. But we should know and have certainty that it is min hikmatin baligha. It is with a profound, endless wisdom that we may never encounter. But what's most important is to know and have certainty that it did not happen except with this permission. So how do we run from that to him? Is that we do not do anything that is displeasing with that reality that we have faced. So we run to him by seeking protection from him. So if we're sick, we, you know, we're, we're pleased with what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given us. And we realize, as the Prophet said, that any pain and affliction that we face, 
the sins can be washed off from that pain that we face, even if it's a thorn that pricks the believer. So when we have that understanding of the of the sunnah of the Prophet وسلم, and in the life of the Prophet وسلم, like when his son died, uh, السلام, and when he said that verily the eyes shed tears and, and the heart weeps, his own son died and he's holding him in his arms and he's gasping, young boy. And then he says that this is happening to me. He acknowledges the sadness, but he doesn't allow that sadness to cause him to flee from Allah to something else. Rather, he flees to Allah. We don't say that except which pleases our Lord. So then fleeing from Allah to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is fleeing to his sharia, fleeing to uh, uh, what he has ordered, what he has ordered and what he has prohibited. And that fleeing to him continuously strengthens the relationship. Those of us that have children, if we've scared them to a certain degree, where do they flee? They go back to you. They may go to another, the other parent, because to them, you're the one that they rely on. When it comes to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, we flee from that which is displeasing to him, which is within his predestination and his infinite knowledge and wisdom. We flee from that to fleeing to that which he is pleased with. So this is very, very important that fleeing to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is paramount. And that's why the Prophet sallallahu says, that verily I am from it a warner to you all. He is warning you. And that's important for us to know. And the Prophet sallallahu is here to just give us the message, which is a form of huda, to show the way. But it's up to us to go the way. He died to tawfiq. That we choose this guidance and we use this guidance as a means of spiritual sustenance. And this is an aspect of it that fleeing from Allah to Allah. And this is the true hijrah, the hijrah of the heart. And Ibn al-Qayyim subhanAllah, he mentions when these two things, fleeing from Allah to Allah, is solid in the heart of the individual, then his heart or her heart, yaqta, they'll only cut off and be undivided for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Their primary concern is Allah's concern. Everything else is supplemental to that. Everything else has to coincide with that. And if it does not, we are not concerned with it. We don't follow it. And to a certain degree, we may avoid it and call others to avoid it. Or if it's with, within the confines of the Sharia, we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to make us of those that are steadfast on it. So may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make us of the muhajireen and make us of those that always turn to him spiritually and resort to him for verily with him is safety, sakina, and salam, inshallah. Ameen. Barakallah fiqh, Shaykh Abdullah. Jazakallah khair. Shaykh Marid, tafadlan. Bismillah. I think you're, you're on mute, Shaykh. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Alhamdulillah, alladhi bi ni'mati tatimu salihat. Wa ashadu an la ilaha illa Allah wa liyu salihin. Wa ashadu anna sayyidana wa nabiyyana Muhammadan abduhu wa rasuluh. Inshallah ta'ala in this Quran 3430, my role today is to bring to your attention some of my reflections in Surah Al-Hujurat. Surah Al-Hujurat is Surah 49 in the Quran. It has 18 ayat. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is calling the believers five times in this Surah. Ya ayyuhal ladina amanu. It begins with this call. Ya ayyuhal ladina amanu. Oh, you have the iman. Ibn Mas'ud says, radiyallahu that when you read the Quran, either you're part of the, the general audience, Ya Ayyuhannas, all people. So listen to that message. And sometimes you're part of the specific audience 
Like, Ya ayyuhalladina amanu. This surah has many names. One of the names of this surah is Al-Hujurat, which pertains to the houses of the Prophet Sallallahu This surah talks about the adab and the etiquette that we should approach when we're talking to the Prophet Sallallahu And what we can learn from this surah is that the Prophet Sallallahu his life was an open book, that he had his persona was, was public. All the Sahabas, the companions, they had access to the Prophet Sallallahu They could visit the Prophet Sallallahu at any time. And some of the Bedouins who didn't have the adab with the Prophet Sallallahu they started misusing that opportunity. So Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala revealed this surah, especially the ayah, to give those who are approaching the Prophet Sallallahu some guidelines and some etiquette in, in calling the Prophet Sallallahu So when we look into this surah, we see that Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala is talking to the believers, and this is the Madani stage. Remember Surah Al-Haqaf, as Shah Umar, Imam Umar alluded to, it's a Makki stage. The Prophet ﷺ was conveying the message of Tawheed, but there was not a Muslim community. The Islamic or the Muslim community started in Medina. And we see that all the adab and the ethics and the akhlaq that every Muslim community should demonstrate, we find that in Surah Al-Hujurat. And Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Taala is teaching us in this Surah, the basis of the foundations of, of the Muslim community, that if we follow this, we would have the unity that we desire, and also we would have the unity and the cohesion among ourselves. So the first thing Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is teaching us as a community, as believers, is, Ya ayyuhalladina amanu, la tuqaddimu bayna yadayillah. O believers, do not put yourself ahead of Allah and His Messenger. This ayah encapsulates your adab, your etiquette with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that you must understand your limits before your Lord, so that you don't make haram, halal what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala made it haram for you. You always wait to the ruling of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That means that every time you desire something, you want to do something, wait for the ruling of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So that is the first adam that Allah is teaching us. Make sure that your sources and your foundation is the Quran and the Sunnah of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa The second ayah also we see that Allah is Telling the believers, do not raise your voice over the voice of the Prophet We know that in the time of the Prophet, it's very understandable that Allah is telling the, prophet, the companions, do not raise your voice physically in the presence of the Prophet. But how can we apply this ayah in our time? Imam Malik and many other scholars, they say that when you read a hadith of the Prophet when a statement from the Prophet reached to you, you have to take it. Do not say that oh, we live in the 21st century, they lived uh, uh, hundreds of years ago and we are not uh, uh, in the same time or in the same location. Do not say that every time you receive a hadith from the Prophet you try to understand in your own context and you try to apply. That is the meaning of do not raise your voice over the voice of the Nabi. We also see that in this surah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is talking to the believers that O oh, believers, if any information comes to you, do not just take it. But you have to verify. You have to investigate. You have to go to the bottom line of that story or that information or that news. And subhanAllah, in the age of technology and social media, in an age we receive every single day so many informations, this ayah is very relevant to our days. Allah teaches us 
If you as a believer, you receive a news, don't just accept it. You have to verify it. You have to look if this is authentic or if it's fabricated. If you don't do that and you share everything you hear in the social media or you read in the magazines, then and to see common be jahala. You might be blaming or judging people that are innocent. And then afterwards you may become regretful of what you have done. At the same time, in this surah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is teaching us the, this quality of iman. In the middle of this nida'at, this call of Ya ayyuhalladina, Ya ayyuhalladina amun, we see a beautiful ayah in, in, in the middle of this uh, surah. When Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Allah habbaba ilaykumul imana it is Allah who made the Iman pleasing to you. Allah made the Iman some, something that is dear and near to your heart. It's Allah who beautified the Iman in your heart. So which means that if our Iman, if we want to increase our Iman and we want our Iman to increase and to be intact, then that comes only through ubudiyah and through submission to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And because when you taste this witness of iman, defiance and rebellion and disobedience becomes unpleasing to you. And that actually comes as a result of tasting this witness of iman. We also see that the surah Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaks to the believers that if anything happens between them, any conflict, they should reconcile any issue that they have among each other. Allah says, Yes, as a community, we're human beings. No one is perfect. There could be some issues. But Allah teaches us in this ayat that if there is a, a, a problem, a conflict between the believers, then go seek out for a solution. Rectify between them. And then in the same time, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala establishes the brotherhood among the believers. That of course, the mujtama, the, the, the Muslim community in Medina, they came from different places. Bilal from Yemen, Salman from, uh, uh, from Faris, from Persia, Suhaib from the, uh, from, uh, he was from the Romans, and many other companions who were from different uh, places. They were all coming to Medina, and they said, La ilaha illallah. And because of that iman, we are brothers and sisters in the deen. And this is one of the foundations that this surah establishes, that believers are brothers. Another thing we see in this surah is how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is talking to the believers that that if your brother or your sister is present with you, do not disrespect them, do not disparage them, treat them with respect. And do not call each other offensive nicknames. These are the rights of you, your brother and sister, when they are present with you. How about if they are absent? We see the next ayah. Or believers avoid much assumptions. And then we see that the prohibition of backbiting. That when your brother is absent or your sister is absent, do not backbite them. Do not base your judgment on assumptions. Do not follow the faults or the shortcomings of your brother or sister. That's the ayah. You see, 
So that's why the, one of the things we find in, in the Islamic community, if they follow Surah Al-Hujurat, is that it's a community that is avoiding assumptions. It is a community that, that covers and conceals the faults and the shortcomings of others. The last ayah we see in this ayah that begins with the call, Ya Ayyuhannas, in SubhanAllah, Allah teaches us that the, the Muslim community is a community that also understands the relationship between the human beings at large. Yes, there is a specific audience, believers. When it comes to the wider society, we know that inna khalaqnakum min dhakarin wa unsa, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created us uh, from a single male and female. وَجَعَلْنَاكُمْ شُعُوبًا وَقَبَائِنًا And Allah made us into different tribes and nations. لِتَعَارَفُوا The reason is not to despise or to discriminate each other. No. The reason we have this diversity is لِتَعَارَفُوا So that you may know each other. إِنَّ أَكْرَمَكُمْ عِنْدَ اللَّهِ أَتْقَاكُمْ And this is the crux of the, of, 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 of the matter. إِنَّ أَكْرَمَكُمْ عِنْدَ اللَّهِ أَتْقَاكُمْ That the the most honorable in the sight of Allah is the one, has, the one that has the taqwa. So this is the only distinction that counts. So in a Muslim community, we love people, we respect them, not because of how they look like, not because of how they, you know, their financial background, not because of their passport that they have. No, we respect them and we value them and we honor them based on their taqwa. And this is the distinction that counts. It's not how you look like. It's not your country. None of that. Your family name it doesn't count. The only distinction that counts is the taqwa. I would like to conclude with the ayah which we find at the end of Surah Al-Hujurat. And this shows the ni'mah. If you are a Muslim a believer, you should feel happy and you should be proud that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala guided you and directed you to the path of Iman. Allah is correcting some of the misconceptions some of the Bedouins had in the days of the Prophet They came to him and saying that, oh, we, we are Muslims, thinking that, you know, by saying that we are Muslims as if they're doing a favor for the Prophet Allah says, They count their, them becoming Muslims as a favor for you. Tell them, Tell them, do not, do not count this as a favor. On the contrary, it is Allah it is Allah's favor that he has directed you to the path of Iman. If you are telling the truth, if you are truthful. So this is a surah to Iman. It is a surah that talks about the Prophet It is a surah that talks about our adab with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and with the messenger of, of, of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Basically as Ramadan comes to an end, and we are in the masjid, in the community. We come together, we establish the taraweeh. This is the month of re-establishing that brotherhood and sisterhood and unity. It is time to reflect on Surah Al-Hijrat. And this should be one of the surahs that we study in every Ramadan. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to make the Qur'an the spring of our hearts, the light of our chest. We ask Allah for giving you the opportunity to speak. It's all of you. Barakallahu feekum. Assalamu alaikum. Zakallahu khairan, Sheikh Maulid. It's a pleasure to have you. And um, subhanAllah, it's it's um, the, the things that you mentioned, there are so many connections. How we honor the Prophet when he's amongst us and how we honor the Prophet once he's left us. 
and how we honor our brothers and sisters when they're amongst us and how we honor our brothers and sisters when they are not with us. And all of it comes back to, as Sheikh Abdullah mentioned, making that hijrah back to Allah and the Messenger Wasallam, putting Allah and the Messenger Wasallam above us in all of these affairs and directing our hearts to that. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bless you for the beautiful reflections. Uh, Sheikh Abdullah, you have any, any, any further reflection? Alhamdulillah, I highly advise the communities to read chapter for Jurati. It's a, I term it as a Quranic, a Quranic community. It's a very, very comprehensive sort in regards to how to deal with one another. Inshallah, very beautiful sort of. You know, subhanAllah, I feel like Surah Al-Hujurat, like a basic reading of it, a basic reading of it would completely change the ethics of our community. You know, like, like you know, we, we, we find loopholes and we justify certain things. We justify behaviors with one another. And even, unfortunately, students of knowledge, tulab ilm, right, will justify the worst of su'avvan, the worst of, of suspicion, the worst of slander, the worst of gossip, the worst of all in the name of protecting the deen without <laughs> applying the basic principles of Surah Al-Hujurat. And it's, it's something that we, we hold ourselves to as a standard first as people of knowledge ta'ala, or people, I'll, I'll put you two in that category, I'll exclude myself, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allow us to be of those who aspire to be people of knowledge and people who are, you know, trying to lead communities and then every single person, there isn't a single Muslim that can't benefit from Surah Al-Hujurat. Like no matter what your circumstances, what position you hold in the community, there isn't a single Muslim that can't completely transform their lives in accordance with Surah Al-Hujurat. So it truly is the surah of usul al-adab uh, that, that gives us the foundations of all of all mannerisms and character in our community. So, Jazakumullah khairan. Sheikh Maulid, uh, we hope to have you back, inshallah ta'ala. We look forward to, inshallah ta'ala, benefiting from you in the future as well. Jazakumullah khairan. Jazakumullah khairan. Jazakumullah khairan, everyone. Inshallah ta'ala, we will see you all tomorrow. Please keep us in your du'as. And please do go to yakinas2.org slash Ramadan. Benefit from the resources. Please consider supporting Yaqeen, inshallah ta'ala, in these last 10 nights, as well as the other wonderful organizations and efforts that are out there. Barakallahu feekum. Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. Having a conversation is a transformative experience. It can take you to places in your own mind that you didn't even know existed. It's an opportunity to understand your own views and to see what someone else sees too. To talk with people instead of being talked at. A conversation is a chance to build a relationship with your child, your parent, your friend, even an acquaintance. That's why we created Yaqeen Conversations. You can use it during family nights, with friends, in an existing club, or anytime you want. It's an opportunity for everyone on any faith level to build meaningful connections with people and a meaningful connection with faith. Visit yaqeeninstitute.org slash conversations to access the guide immediately.